name is Katie Freeman and I am your host. This week's guest is Sarah Bendrick. She is a landscape architect and designer. Uh, super fun chatting with her. I know you'll enjoy this interview and get something out of it, even if landscaping is not your thing. So trust me. Every week I bring you two interviews of fabulous maker females and non-binary folks. Some are moms, some are not, uh, but two episodes a week, one on Wednesday and one on Friday. So make sure that you stick around and find out at the end of the podcast episode how you can make sure you're catching all of those episodes and how you can support the podcast if you're enjoying it. All right, before we hop on into the interview with Sarah, I want to give a big shout out and thank you to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much. Sven of Dwarf Size Workshop, Rachel Moody Makes, Bonnie Tool Mom, Bonnie Toolmomstore.com, Laura Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou, Made by Mary Lou, Amy Bison Valley Carving, Dan and Kelly Reclaim Living Store, Brandy Studio Obey, Kathy One Girl and Her Tools, Ellen Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan Ethan Carter Designs. Thank you all so very much for your ongoing and continued support of the podcast. Now with no further ado, let's hop right on into the interview with Sarah. So my name's Sarah Bendrick, and I'm a landscape contractor and landscape designer out of San Diego. And I've been in the business for about, yeah, actually 10 years. <laughs> awesome. Very awesome. Um, so fun factoid, I lived in Oceanside, California for about four and a half years. Oh, uh, nice. Yeah. And I worked for a med device before we moved back to the Midwest. I worked for a med device company in La Jolla. Oh, and sweet. our oldest was born at uh, Scripps Hop Hospital in La Jolla. Oh, so, so cool. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. And then, uh, and now where are you? You're in? Uh, we're in Iowa now, uh, okay. which is where I was born and raised. Um, but yeah, work took us out to the West Coast and I loved it. Um, and then family stuff brought us back to the Midwest. So Yeah. Yep. I miss it. I miss it. Um, I'm sure, but I'm sure you don't miss the cost of living here. It's crazy. No, we sold our house. We we were, um, I should say, we were fortunate enough to like, you know, be have a house, own a house yeah. in Oceanside. Yep. And it was not in, I mean, if you're familiar with the area, Oceanside's not like rich. Like it's no, not like a high. It's not, yeah. you know, it's, no, it's been turning around though. Not that it's not. It's still a nice area. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but we sold our home there and like was able to, we didn't even have to spend all of that money like on a house in it's Iowa. A buy a new house here. And it was like three, our house here is like three times the size of what our house in California yeah, was. Yeah, isn't that crazy? <laughs> I know, I know, it's insane. Totally, so, totally. <laughs> so before we get into like how you got into kind of like doing, you know, landscape contracting. I want to know a bit about your childhood. Like, where'd you grow up and what kind of things were you interested in? Sure. Uh, so I grew up in San Diego and I've always been interested in being outside and kind of tinkering. I guess you could say I was a creative kid, uh, a little uncoordinated, <laughs> but I like, I excelled in drawing things as well as zoning out and staring at things. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, I definitely was probably a spacey kid, but it was like, you just get focused on things. So, <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. So growing up in San Diego, like, were you a beach kid at all? Like, were you hanging out kind of totally. along the coast? Okay. Yeah. We, yeah. We'd go to the beach and even as an adult, like in the summer, 
the fall. I'd go at least a few times a week. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, as a kid, we were, I, I mean, I can't remember how often, but I remember going often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just yeah. playing in the bay or playing in the ocean with my cousins. It was, mm-hmm. it was pretty, pretty ideal. Yeah. Do you come from, I mean, is your, your family big? Like, do you have a lot of siblings or? Yeah, there's four kids in my family uh, that I grew up in. And then my mom has four siblings that all live in San Diego. My dad had two siblings that lived in San Diego as well. So our family parties were like 40, <laughs> at least right, 40 right. people. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so what about like high school? What did you get into kind of like in the high school age range? So yeah, so for high school, oh, um, I feel like I was a generic good kid. Like <laughs> I didn't drink, I didn't do like crazy stuff. I ran cross country and track, mm-hmm. played basketball for a little while. I went to an all girls private school. So I guess that's a little different. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that's that was unique, I would suppose. But other than that, other than wearing plaid skirts <laughs> for four <laughs> years of, <laughs> of my life, I uh, it was fun. I got sophomore princess one year. Nice, um, nice. And then I can't say that I did anything super stand out. I was a decent mm-hmm. basketball player. Okay. But okay. I hadn't really found like I hadn't really like found what I do now at that stage of my life. Yeah. Were you still interested in like drawing and stuff outside of the sports totally. and all that? Okay. Yeah, totally. So I was still into doing creative stuff and I did like AP art, um, which I went and made a ceramic poop. Like <laughs> <laughs> my teacher was not impressed at the time. He, I did not do well in that class. But I feel like nowadays, like the poop emoji, like right, it's right, totally yeah. like acceptable now, but it seems less totally acceptable. He's kind of like, you're wasting your time. I'm like, yes. I think this is outside the box. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So then what about um, post high school? Did you I, did commu- I did community college because I was paying for my own education and I did not want to just go somewhere and spend a bunch of money. So I spent some years figuring, or I did two years of community college where I was able to work and pay it off as I went. And then I transferred to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. Absolutely. Loved it there. Ended up spending four years there anyways to get my degree because it's a five-year mm-hmm. program. Um, but oh man, that was time of my life. I absolutely loved it. And that's when I started my major, which was landscape architecture. Okay. You know, I'm I'm actually like, I didn't even know that was like a degree you could get, to be honest. <laughs> like, I didn't even know that was something you could do. Um, yeah. Totally. How'd you discover that? Ma- I mean, like, how'd you discover that major and get into that? So when I was in community college, I went around and visited different colleges and just different departments in those colleges when I went and I came across Cal Poly Pomona, which had a landscape architecture program. And they had a little flyer to describe like what that major is. And so I read it and I was like, oh my God, this is what I want to do. Like hands down, like found it. Like mm-hmm. now this is where I'm setting my track to go. <laughs> and so I absolutely love it. I'm not really practicing landscape architecture truly now mm-hmm. in my profession, but like I am and I'm not but most landscape architects would work for a larger firm or start their own mm. and do, you know, parks, plazas, you can do residential, but that's not mm-hmm. really like what they tailor it towards. Okay. So it's more like bigger scheme type projects usually. Yeah. It's kind of people that partner up with like architects or city planners or engineers to kind of bring together how our cities come together. That's pretty cool. It's uh, a cool major. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Another sidebar note, my wife was born in Pomona. So, oh, really? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I know that part of the, of the state as well. Um, so landscape architecture, what did you do then post-college? Like, did you end up going and working for a firm? So I graduated in 2010, which probably should have graduated in 2009, but it took my time. Uh, <laughs> And then uh, the economy had crashed in 2009, so there were literally no jobs available. I mean, a hand, maybe two or three people got jobs in the field, and then mm-hmm. I kind of got like a job related. It was basically a working design build for a residential company, mm-hmm. which I did not want to do at all. But, uh, well, it's not that I didn't want the job. It's just that I didn't, I had these ideas that I was going to be in a firm and like mm-hmm. this young professional, and I'm like, nope, I'm going to stay in the Central Coast and 
do people's backyards. Mm -hmm. Um, But I learned so much. And because it was a small company, I was able to kind of absorb a lot and Mm -hmm. figure out a lot. So it kind of helped me figure out that I wanted to go on my own. And I also, at the same time, um, started looking for other opportunities just to kind of get out of the central coast, even though I love it and I probably want to go back someday. Mm -hmm. Uh, (laughs) I started looking for other opportunities and then I actually got an opportunity to do some stuff with television. So I did that for a little while as well, start my own gig. Nice. Uh, So what was it like? Let's talk a little bit about like going into your own business and doing this like on your own. Um, (laughs) It it was scary at first. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How long have you been in business on your own then? Since 2012. Okay. So, all right. So coming up on nine years. um, Yep. Like, and still the economy was not fantastic back in 2012. Which was probably good because I was still like kind of learning how to run a business. But um, when I first started, I just did design. And then I can't remember. I think I got my contractor's license in 2015 or 16. One of the two. I could look it up on the contractor board. But yeah, so I did design for a while. And then I started getting into construction because there's... um, I like the hands-on aspects as well as mm-hmm. it kind of, you're able to see a project from beginning to end and be more of a decision maker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it wasn't just like a switch night and day. I kind of started moving into those roles anyways. And even as a landscape designer, you could still like project manage, but I just wanted more control over the projects as well mm-hmm. as uh, make more money really. If yeah. you're, you know, the one handling the money or the one deciding how it's spent. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. So are you working with residential, commercial, both? Pretty much all residential. Okay. Yeah. Commercial is nice too, but there's a lot of rules and yeah. I kind of like, <laughs> yeah, it's fine. I, I don't like reading a lot. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, it's fine. I could do commercial if I wanted and tra- tailor my business that way, but I'm busy enough doing residential. So, and I enjoy mm-hmm. it. Yeah. Do you have a crew working for you or are you kind of like the one woman show type thing? So I kind of run an untraditional company because I also kind of still do some media stuff here and there. So I mm-hmm. like to keep myself available to um, do that stuff. So I kind of, I do have crews I work with, but basically I subcontract most of the stuff I do. Okay. Um, so it's under my license. I'll bring subcontractors, but sometimes I'll partner with a contractor and they might be the lead contractor and I'll just come in and they'll sub me. Gotcha. Sub you is like the design and aspect of it. Yeah. That, or even parts of the build. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, or the creative in certain aspects in that way. Um, so a lot of times I'll either partner and just sub or be subbed with different contractors. And there's a handful of us that we all just kind of throw work around between each other. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So I really truly have like maybe 2% knowledge as far as it comes to any kind of landscaping outside. Um, so, um, like what goes into, I mean, what are things you're thinking about when you're doing your designs, when you're laying out a design and then when you're figuring out like materials to use and all of that, like, like sure. Kind of just run through, you know, what are considerations you're looking at? I think the most important thing and people that are good at like spatial organization would excel in landscape design, I would say. Uh, So you have to be able to like envision things in 3D more or less to kind of like put them together. Because a lot of times I'll just draw in 2D the things I want to come together. Mm -hmm. But I understand the scale of things and how things pair up together. So and that can be learned to a certain extent too. But I would say that some people are just better at that kind of natural yeah aspect than right others so that's helpful if somebody has that spatial mm-hmm. awareness but also just functionally making sure um you understand how people travel through a space or maybe you dictate how they travel through a space mm-hmm. um but if you look at like different parks and stuff like that sometimes you'll see like they have all these paths going through but then you see this worn out path of like over yeah. the grass yeah. like well that's where people are telling you they want to go so <laughs> sometimes you know you can design it and then sometimes the space designs itself so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Um, I mean, is there a lot of like, I would imagine there's a lot of like having to understand like species of plants and how things and how people interact with those plants and how like you would want to design that space. Like you're, cause you're really like, you are designing an experience for someone essentially. Sure. That's a great way of uh, putting it. I like that. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Designing an experience. That's, that's I like that. Um, but yeah, basically you're trying to design how a space makes people feel when there's a lot of ways you can do that. And a lot of, often that's dictated by the client that they might want mm-hmm. something that's like super fun and energetic. A lot of people want like calm, relaxing and stuff like that. And so mm-hmm. you have to put together the elements, like what color palettes are we going to do for the materials or like what plants. And so oftentimes mm-hmm. I'll try and pick like maybe a realm of like three different colors for the mm-hmm. landscape in terms of the plants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah. I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a lot like interior design too, right? Design yeah. is just outdoor space. Right. So again, since I have, some familiarity with the area i know like there are so many people <laughs> where in in san diego county in fact when i was moving back to iowa someone asked me how big iowa was and i said i can guarantee you the population of the entire state of iowa is less than the population of san diego county itself and there's like they're like there's no way and so they googled it and i was totally right it's within like a couple hundred thousand but yes san diego county has more population than the entire state of iowa that's so so crazy (laughs) i know so like yard space there's just not i mean like yard space in california compared to yard space in like midwest is like completely different and yeah. a lot of people living, you know, in close quarters to each other. So, like, how do you bring that level of, like, peace and, like, kind of solidarity of space mm-hmm. when you're I, in that urban environment? Sure. I think, actually, there's a lot of opportunities in small yards uh, to really make a big impact because there's just more detail. And it could be more detail that's not obvious. It could yeah. just be simplifying everything. Um, so you don't want to make it overly busy, but you just have to focus on every viewport that you have from every angle. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have like a really big property, you're looking like long viewport and like general kind mm-hmm. of aesthetics where I think both small and big yards, you can definitely change the aesthetic and the feel of it um, just by focusing on certain aspects. So mm-hmm. I would say... I like doing small yards. I think that depending on the budget, like you can almost make a bigger transformation in a small yard because your money is more concise mm-hmm. to a certain area versus yeah. spread out. Right. <laughs> right. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how do clients find you? Like, how are you getting kind of the word out about yourself? You know, especially when you were just starting out, how did you find that work? So largely word of mouth. In the very beginning, I walked around and put my business card on people's doors in like different neighborhoods. <laughs> I, got, I remember I had one person call me and we did their yard and I realized I overplanted it like a year later when I walked by. I'm like, oh, that plant gets a lot bigger than I thought it did. <laughs> you know, and I'd already been yeah, in the field yeah. for like uh, two or three years, but still like, you know, you're always learning. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, just kind of going through and yeah. So putting business cards out and then eventually like you build up a big enough base and then really collaborating with other contractors because then you guys pull all your resources. So I'll have some contractors be like, I went and saw this job. They need a design. Can you come in and do it? And then I'll do the design. And then oftentimes I'll come on and project manage with, with their construction team. Or mm-hmm. now I get, it's, it's actually so busy right now that um, I kind of, yeah, between referrals every once in a while through like media and stuff like that or social media, mm-hmm. I'll get people to ask, but referrals are probably my best method. Okay. Uh, now, obviously, I found you through social media. Yes. Um, I actually found you through because you liked uh, Move Over Bob. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so that's how I found you. Um, how did you, I mean, 
I want to get into a little bit about like kind of the getting into TV or other medias and like getting your name out there being more known. Um, how did you find those opportunities or how did those opportunities find you? I think it's a combination of both. So honestly, when it comes to doing stuff on television, there's a lot of talented people out there, but I think it's a unique combination of skills. I was very lucky to even have the opportunity because when I first started in television, I honestly, I don't think I came across that great. Like mm. I didn't have good posture. Like my, like I would run my sentences. Like I was probably a nightmare to edit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, but luckily things were a little slower and I had some time to kind of like figure out how to like hone the skill of, having a conversation with a person to having a conversation with a person in on camera, but knowing that you're talking to a larger audience. Mm. Um, so, but I think people are a lot more, a lot more aware of that just because times have changed. Um, people are filming themselves doing things all the time right. and they're seeing what works, what doesn't work. And so I think people are naturally better at editing themselves to be more, mm -hmm. um, for more condensed information in a short amount of time, which is mm -hmm. basically what TV is. Right. It's like, right. You, you know, you could talk, you know, two paragraphs about something and now say, tell it to me in like one sentence. <laughs> you know, <like>, okay. <laughs> yeah. Cause you know, the half an hour show is actually 21 minutes after you do all the commercials. Right. And you know, and then it's like, you got to do all the before you got to set up the story and then you got to reiterate the story. And so really the amount of like new content is like so quick. Yeah. Hey makers. Today's episode is brought to you by tool mom and company, or some of you know her as tool mom, Bonnie. Uh, she has all kinds of tool related merchandise of gifts and clothing for all ages and genders available at toolmomstore.com. I have two of the coffee mugs. One says go girl and it has a circular saw with flames coming off the back, which is super sweet. And then the other one is the definition of a tool chick, which just makes you feel kind of badass when you're drinking out of it. So if you are in the market, especially as we're getting close to Christmas for any tool related merchandise, be that gifts or clothing, make sure you head on over to toolmomstore.com and extra bonus, you can receive 20% off at checkout if you use the coupon code MAKERMOM. All right, let's jump back into the episode. Yeah, and that makes sense, right? I mean, it is, it's all about storytelling and how to get that story across the most concise way mm -hmm. and the most interactive way to pull the audience in, whether that's on social media or like you said, on TV. Do you think the experience on TV has helped you in social media aspects as in like, like you said, like that training of being able to do concise yes. information? Yes and no, to be honest. When I first got onto social media, like it took me a while to figure it out. And I actually almost think the people that started there, um, started there and edited their content, like basically they learned directly, like, and they were able to build these big mm -hmm. followings. I wasn't, I was slowly building an audience as I was going. It was largely because people were watching my show and not mm -hmm. because my content was good. Because my content mm -hmm. was like, oh, I'm here with my dog. Or like, now I'm here at, you know, Ace Hardware. But it was like, who cares unless they're your friend or somebody that maybe is like, right. Like, Oh, we like this person already. Cause we saw her on TV. I just want to keep up with her mm -hmm. versus social media. Now within the, like the last two or three years, probably last two years, two and a half years, I've really focused on trying to create content that has value that mm -hmm. somebody that has no idea who I am would want to follow because they're like, Oh, I don't know much about landscaping, but this person is putting out, relevant content like I don't want to see her at Ace Hardware just being like have a great day you know? <laughs> right <laughs> <laughs> be like I'm here to get the you know to get this drip irrigation because da 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 right um, right so but then so of course that always changes too right right <laughs> so are you putting out besides I mean so you've got you've got like Instagram are you putting out producing your own content teaching content that you're putting um, out I've started to take um, I've started to take a bigger hand in like the pro projects I'm doing like literally record like everything and like I over recorded for a few projects and it literally 
took so much effort to edit out and be like, what do I want to tell right, about this? So right. I feel like I'm finally just figuring out like, okay, I'm only going to film this much. I just need to get progress stuff and yeah. I'll do voiceovers over like what it is because mm -hmm. that was very different than television for me. Yeah. Um, and so I feel like I'm just now understanding like what it is I want to put out in terms of that. Okay. Useful. Yeah. So does that, so do you have a YouTube channel or is that what you're putting it out on or just Instagram? Yeah, I've been putting stuff out on YouTube. Um, I did a few months consistently earlier this year and then I kind of dropped off and now I'm trying to do it again. Mm -hmm. But, mm -hmm. but you know, social media in itself is really a job and yes, I think is. that's the hard <laughs> thing. I think that's the hard thing because, you know, you're, you're trades people who are, you know, working really long hours. Yep. And then like, um, if you're competing against a blogger for content, like there's just no way you're going to match in content ever mm -hmm. right. <laughs> unless you, unless you hire a team or something to do that. So, right. Yeah. So, uh, uh being a tradesperson in landscaping, what's it look like as far as like the amount of women in the field? Um, I think it depends on the, the position or like there's definitely lots of women in the field I would say there's less so in terms of like late like physical labor yeah. that's less common to see and I'm somewhere in between honestly like I like to be involved with my projects but if I didn't want to pick up a shovel at this point I don't have to mm -hmm. um and god that sounds like <laughs> that sounds weird um like I like <laughs> to but like uh it's more profitable for me to run the business and right. run the projects and actually go and dig all the point holes for the plants. Right. Even though like, you know, I think it's important to know how to do both. So I try to do a combination. I try each project to hold on to like one or two things that I'm physically in charge of because I really just enjoy that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, when so the question is, yeah, not a lot in the physical side. There's, I would say a lot of designers. Okay. All right. Um, when you were just starting out, were you doing more of the physical aspect of it? Mm, when I started out, I was doing, I was the design project manager for this company. Okay. So did the designs, then we worked with the contractor to put together the estimates. And then we went and checked on the job site, like to, you know, see how things were coming together. Um, so no, I wasn't building at all in that part, okay. but kind of getting in after that, mm -hmm. I started doing more physical. Not that I hadn't done other stuff, right. I just hadn't been doing it for that company. Gotcha. Like before I did any of that, when I was in college, I actually was a four, a four woman for a maintenance company and that was all physical work. Mm -hmm. That was all, you know, deadheading and trimming mm -hmm. and fixing yeah. irrigation, stuff like that work. Yeah. <laughs> Or <laughs> so that was like totally physical. And then I went to like mostly doing design. And so I've kind of found somewhere in between. Okay. But when you are, even if you're kind of like managing the project, I would imagine, especially since you're managing the people who are doing the physical work, I would imagine you are managing largely teams of men. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, what is that experience like for you being like managing a team of men? You know what? It's interesting because it can totally vary. And I felt it on all aspects of it. But I would say in like the current circle that I'm in, like people are pretty aware of like, I have a lot of, I think it depends on like who's feeding who in terms mm -hmm. of like leads. And I've been pretty good at generating leads for business and so mm -hmm. a lot of times I'll be taking my projects to other contractors and bringing them to like here's something like piece together I have all the square footage everything give me your numbers you can build it yourself and I can project manage or I'll build it and as when you be my sub so when you're making it easy for people <laughs> to do their job there's a lot of respect there I think in return mm -hmm. that that makes sense where I think if you walk onto a place where your value is not known, you're kind of probably assumed to not be, not maybe bringing the value right away. Gotcha. If that makes, if that makes sense. Yeah. I would say what, what I hear you saying is like, 
Maybe you're working with teams that you've already proved yourself to. Like, you know, even though, like, yes, you come with a full package, I would imagine, like, if you're an unknown entity in the field, the fact that you're a woman can sometimes be sure a positive, not seen as, like, oh, this person knows what they're talking about right away. Yeah, so I think there's a certain, um, also there's attitude and there's also a demeanor. So, and that does happen, like I'll go to new job sites and I think there's a way without being like, I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm doing, to just like take confidence, like conversations happening about something and to take lead in that conversation or just like, especially if the project's mine, nobody knows it better than me because right. I've spent the most time right. looking right. at it. Um, but if say it's somebody else's project, I think there's just a certain amount that you need to assert yourself mm-hmm. and I think that comes with experience would be my guess yeah and so I, I can kind of recognize certain situations where I might where definitely there's a lot of unknowns or people might not know me and then that's where I just it yeah it takes a level of confidence and assertiveness to mm-hmm. just be like and just be like oh you don't you don't know I'm in charge <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean, and not necessarily, not even necessarily that I'm in, in charge, but right. just, um, you know, voicing or just ask, I think the thing is asking questions of relevance mm-hmm. and, um, that right away will show people, you know, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, that makes sense. Like you're asking something that actually makes sense to the project and um, yeah. <laughs> goes with what's going on. But I would also say, I mean, like. I would assume that it has taken you time to get to that level of confidence and assertiveness in yourself, or do you feel like, like that was you from the get go? Like, have you always been (laughs) right out the gate, like able to, you know? No, I'm definitely like a non-confrontational person. Like I really hate confrontation. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, yeah, it definitely took like some time to build up to it. But I think at this point, like, I so know what like I want to do in the visions of the project that that trumps anything that of me even thinking about like are people going to conceive imagine me in a certain way or not because right. I'm I, in my own mind I'm way beyond that and I'm just like hey I'm here like da 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 like this is where I want to go <laughs> and I bring right. a lot of energy so I think it's hard to like ignore <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense. But, Sorry, but yeah, yeah. It, it did take some building up to and even now, like sometimes if I'm working with new people, like and like they do something another way and I'd rather it be another way or I think that, you know, I try not to be like, you're doing it wrong or anything like that. I'm not like that at all. I'm like, you guys, right. I try to respect, like you guys are professionals too. And I would probably do it a little bit different and I'd be like, hey, maybe you can next time we try it this way or like I would like it, mm-hmm. you know, so I can kind of be like soft spoken about that time or about changes too. Mm-hmm. If it's something that I may be not confident in or something that I'm just, yeah, I guess not sure about. I'm like, yeah, maybe, you know, we're planting on the slope and I kind of think it would be better if we did it this way. Maybe we could try both and see. And, you know, if whoever's wins, we don't have to warranty. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever plants it better doesn't have to come back and replant it. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that's the other thing too, is really letting people know that you respect them too. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, do you see, like, is this a field or a trade that you see growing? Um, during COVID, absolutely. But, um, you know, it's hard to say, like, I feel like landscaping is a luxury and um, it comes in, it, it peaks and ebbs a little bit with the economy, but for it's booming right now because everyone's at home. Mm-hmm. Um, I never I even would have thought about that, but it makes total sense. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's been really, it's been really busy in the landscaping industry, and I think there'll always be a need for it, uh, whether it's yes, cities or you know, cities expanding or even just hmm, what am I trying to say? Like, I would say it is a growing industry. Okay, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it's something that always changes too. So you could do somebody's landscape in twenty years from now you know, there's certain plants might be overgrown or just literally tired. And so like mm-hmm. you might have, you know, a new generation of designers coming in or even new homeowners. So as long as real right. estate's doing well and people are moving in and out of things, they're always going to want to change things in their landscape too. 
Okay. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Where are you hoping to see like your business go? Like what are some of the great questions? <laughs> <laughs> I feel like like I mentioned before, I'm a little bit um more entrepreneur not more, but I'm more I would call myself more of an entrepreneur than a traditional business owner. Mm-hmm. Por- because oh wow, I almost said poor K. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because because I'm trying to balance doing stuff for the media still and run my business and yeah. doing the social media things and other people are doing it too. So it's not like what I'm doing is super unique, but it's not your standard. Um, went to college, started a business, try to, you know, expand that business to get as big as mm-hmm. you can. That's, that's not quite my business model. Um, I would like to continue to grow like in my social media content mm-hmm. um because i think you just have a, a wider spread of information which is mm-hmm. good and that also feeds my business uh so i would like to continue to do that and i really debate whether i want to bring on employees or not that scares me i've done it before yeah but yeah <laughs> i think i think not quite yet but there's a part of me that so i think one i either want to start maybe a maintenance division and that would be a separate company altogether and that would mm-hmm. have employees um and then there's another part of me that's like well maybe i should focus my attention on doing like an app or a digital service of some sort mm-hmm. yeah. so i guess the biggest question is i i've been asking myself that a lot lately mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah but i have not i've not really settled down not but settled I, yeah I don't want to grow. I don't want to grow and manage more projects. I know that. Gotcha. I'd rather do less projects and have them have, be more involved in them, even though it does kind of limit me financially. I could make more money if I expanded. Right, right. Um, as far as like kind of on the social media side of stuff, I mean, do you, is there a level of enjoyment in like sharing that information and teaching, you know, people to maybe do it more DIY versus, you know, uh, having hiring someone though. I would think that kind of like with furniture, sometimes you find like, if you show somebody how long it actually takes to make something, then they might just decide, okay, I'll just pay somebody to make it for me instead of (laughs) spending my time to do it. Um, But I mean, do you enjoy that aspect of it? Do you get feedback from that kind of sharing that information? Yeah, I would say I'm pretty social. So I definitely enjoy that aspect. Um, And I really do like, I, I feel like I kind of talk to DIYers and contractors combined, which can mm-hmm. be kind of tricky sometimes <laughs> because you don't want to cut your own foot off and be like, this only costs like $500 in material. But in real life, like, you know, once you add labor and, you know, yeah, overhead yeah, yeah. and all that, you're like, well, it's actually 1500 if you're going to hire somebody. <laughs> right. Right. But if you do it yourself, mm-hmm. you know, you like, I don't, so I don't like to be, I don't like to. Yeah. 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 Because I also, there's a lot that a DIYer, like, yeah, doing it yourself is completely different than hiring a company. It's like mm-hmm. going to a restaurant and being like, you know, this lettuce is only like $2. How are you charging me $10 for this salad? Right. You right. know, <laughs> I like, I like that analogy. Um, that's actually a really great analogy. Oh, um, right. <laughs> Cause you know, that I've had this conversation with a lot of people and like, you know, the, the, uh, craftsman trade type stuff. And it is, it's like, for whatever reason, and I really don't understand this, but if somebody wants to buy something handmade, they think like they should be able to buy it at the cost of materials, not yeah. understanding that like, no, <laughs> like yeah. if you want to buy this at the cost of materials, then like, I'll give you some, you know, YouTube channels or plans and you can go make this yourself at the cost of materials. Yeah. Um, but you're, you had to pay for our experience and our time and, you know, tool upkeep and yeah. all of that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> to- yeah, totally, totally. So it's, yeah, it's, it's different. And then you always find different people on different levels of their own business or going from a hobbyist to starting to sell stuff. So a lot of times you'll find people that are in between that transitional stuff. They are happy to do stuff for, you know, bare minimum because they're right. trying to get their, you know, so 
trying to get their name out there and all of that stuff. Yeah. Which is, which is fine. You know, eventually they'll be charging more just like, <laughs> <laughs> like everybody like else. Us. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, but you know, there's also more like probably back and forth and discovery that they're doing. So for somebody that's looking to just, you know, get something going, you, you do want to go with the pro and yeah, you know. absolutely. Most absolutely. contracting, you're going to want to go with the pro, like it's not worth the hassle of, <laughs> like, cause I tell my clients that sometimes too, I'll do consultations. I'm like, Hey, like, where are you with your budget? And if they have a super low budget, I'm like, I'll give you an idea, like a hand sketch of maybe some things and go hire your gardener, go pick out all your plants yourself and do it. That's like the best way you can save money. But they're right. like, well, it's so hard and da da da. And I'm like, or you can hire me and I'm going to cost, you know, two or three times times that, but right. that's how much right. it costs me to run my business and me make a profit without being a donation. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so, so how you often choose. do you, you choose? Yeah. How often do you feel like you have to do some level of education around that with your clients? Uh, I usually start talking budget, like, right away so before i even go out to a job site i'm like hey this is how much my consultations are and this is how much my designs are so let me know if you want to set an appointment that way it's not like um wasting anybody's time really right and and during that consultation i'll give them ideas on the spot um as well as just discuss the opportunities and after that i'll be like so what are we talking about are like are you guys going to try and do this yourself or are you going to hire somebody so like recently i went to this lady's house and after speaking with her about all the different opportunities, I'm like, you know what, you could be anywhere from 25,000 to like, you know, 75,000, depending on the level that you want to implement these things, or like, mm -hmm. whether we're using like, porcelain pavers, or using decomposed granite, you know? <laughs> and maybe we keep this or that. And then I was like, you know, if you really just wanted that infinity pool, you're probably they're probably like, it's a small pool, like 50 to yeah. 80 to start. And I'm like, maybe scrap all this and get your infinity pool. Go talk to that contractor before you hire me. Cause you know, if you're thinking about spending in that range and you really want this and you should at least go research it. Right. Right. So. Do you, <laughs> you ever try to charge for the level of education you give your clients? <laughs> like you build that into your consultation fee, like, um, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have set it up to basically where I'll charge $150 to go to the house. And so like, I don't do site visits unless I'm doing a paid consultation because I could do free consultations like all week long. And like, it really, you know, it's, it's not a donation service, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, and it covers my time. So I feel like they can ask me whatever I want. And I feel like right. I'm fairly compensated for driving there, showing up there for an hour to an hour and a half yeah. and just having the conversations, whether or not I leave them drawings, I feel like I'm offering them Still value. value. Yeah. yeah. Like even if they don't even know where to start, I could be like, well, talk to this person. Like, here's a phone number, like, you know, mm -hmm. run with this <laughs> or here's a, here's a sketch for your gardener and here's some plant names, go find them at the nursery and have them do it. Right. Right. So, Nice. Yeah, it, it really varies, but I think it's important. At least I think everyone's business is a little bit different. And I know some contractors don't charge and I think that's totally fine. Mm -hmm. um, you know, their business model might be a little bit different, but it's just myself. And so I have to be kind of protective of my time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, so have you had in your time in this field, have you had any... I don't want to necessarily say only female role models, but have you had any like really kind of big role models that have helped you along the way of like understanding how to navigate the business end oh, as well as like, you know, the action, the, the landscaping in. I would say most of my colleagues and people that have helped me, like one of my best friends, Naveed, he runs an awesome company called um, Land Aesthetics. Uh, he was a big influence. And then there's another guy falling waters who kind of even helped him out initially when they started, <laughs> uh, like companies like that had been pretty big influence and they happened to be male run. So I don't right, right. know. There was a gal that runs a company called Sage and her name's Kate something. I can't remember. And I thought she was badass because she was doing like these really cool designs and she was a designer and she would partner with contractors to do this stuff. Um, 
And I thought that was cool, but I didn't work with her a lot directly. I just kind of like knew of her. And mm-hmm. I was mm-hmm. like, oh, she's running a cool business. Yeah. Um, but yeah, not, not really. Yeah. <laughs> not that I've known, but I've also could have just been blind to it a little bit too. Like mm-hmm. I'm the type of person that I'm a doer. Like, I'm just like, okay, I have this idea. Like, let's just start. And right. Like, right. You know, I'll figure out so much if it makes sense within certain parameters. Right. Uh, but sorry, I don't my, a, my furry oh, co-host just keeps getting in the way. <laughs> she's so cute, though. <laughs> she's adorbs. Yes. Um, do you see yourself being a role model for young women looking to get into this line of work? You know, surprisingly, I've had more dads reach out <laughs> and say that they like are happy like because dads that have daughters yes I've had a handful of the fathers with daughters being like this is really cool like um I don't know exactly what they said but the impression that I got was like like this is great like I'm glad there's a female for my daughters mm-hmm. to see doing something like this and I'm like that always feels really really good yeah um, so I think I think it depends okay but Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, we are, we're kind of at the end of our time here, Sarah. So I want to, though, give you a chance to let everybody know, like, where they can find you on all the interwebs to kind of follow along with you. Sure. No, that's awesome. So uh, Sarah Bendrick on Instagram, Sarah without an H. And then uh, Sarah, oh, I have Twitter, but does anybody use Twitter? I don't know. Um <laughs> Uh, if you're there, I have a page. Um, I basically just repost everything from Instagram and then, of course, Facebook and then my YouTube. So out of the ones I use the most, my YouTube, Sarah Bendrick. Um, I call myself the landscape artist. Um, okay. <laughs> and then there's my Instagram as well. So, yeah, find me. That'd be awesome. I, I appreciate the, the interview. I feel like I should ask you more questions, but I feel like your audience knows who you are. <laughs> yes, audience knows who I am for sure. Um <laughs> whether they like to or not um (laughs) i'm sure they i'm sure they like to (laughs) yeah but thanks for taking the time to chat with me Mm -hmm. ben it's been a a interesting learning about something that i don't necessarily like is definitely not my wheelhouse Um, (laughs) in my household my wife does all of the outdoor like gardening and landscaping and so I tell her, like, her deal is to keep things living. And then my deal is to, once the the tree is dead, then I do something with it. Like, <laughs> so that's, that's our, our deal we have worked out. Though I will say with COVID, I've enjoyed getting into, like, just gardening. Um, sure. And I got more into it this year, you know, when it's like, you have nothing else to do. But I love that. outside. <laughs> No, I really do love that. People are really spending more time outside and I hope that this trend stays because yeah, yeah it's healthy. It's nice. It is. It yeah. Is. It's really awesome to be outside and so, so much of it. So many of us spend time indoors. So I know. <laughs> I know. It is, it has been a nice change. It's been a nice change getting the kids outdoors and kind of like, you know, that's where we take our trips, our vacations, our like outdoor destinations right now. Cause that's yep. where it's safe to be. <laughs> exactly. No, exactly. No, I, I love hearing it. So I hope people stay outdoors. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. So again, that was Sarah. I will include links on how you can follow along with her on her journey um, in the show notes for the episode, which you can find pretty much in any app or platform that you are subscribed to and following along with the podcast on. You can also, once the website's back up and running, check those out at freemanfurnishings.com. And if you happen to be watching this interview on YouTube, just check the description down below and you will find all the information you need down there. Now, if you are enjoying this podcast and having two brand new episodes every week and you want to support the podcast, there's a few ways you can do that. Probably the easiest and simplest, and it costs no money at all, is just to make sure that whatever you are listening to or watching this podcast interview on, you hit that subscribe button, hit the like, hit the bell, all of that good stuff. Leave a comment down below. Head over to iTunes, leave a five-star review. All of that helps all of the algorithms out in the universe help other fabulous makers find this podcast 
and learn about all of these women and non-binary folks who are just killing it out there. So that's super easy. You can also follow along with Maker Mom Podcast over on Instagram. That's just at Maker Mom Podcast. So go check that out because that's where you'll get up-to-date news on anything new and upcoming, as well as when new episodes post. I always have a post over there just in case you forget. All right now, if you are like pretty smitten with the podcast, right, smitten, uh, and you want to up your game a little bit with the support, you can head on over to patreon.com forward slash maker mom podcast. There are several different tier levels. There's a one, three, and five dollar tier level that gets you different merchandise, makes you part of the tribe, so you get access to any and all extra content that is put up there. Um, I had one in the makings that got re- is going to be rescheduled, but there will be a live via Zoom uh, podcast interview coming up that only patrons will have access to when it happens. The rest of you, of course, will get it, but you'll have to wait. Um, so if that interests you, go check that out. Also, there is a new but limited $30 tier level, which makes you an official sponsor of the podcast. You'll get your very own uh, tool, uh, tool, very own ad spot every episode. Again, that's two episodes a week. So at a minimum, that's eight episodes a month. If that's something that interests you, uh, make sure you go check that out quickly because there are very limited spots for that tier. Lastly, if you just want merch right now, freemanfurnishings.com is um, being redesigned, is in construction. So normally I would say go there and go to the store um, and there is a make your mom t-shirt option you can purchase. But in the meantime, just reach out to me via DM or email. You can DM me at Freeman Furnishings on Instagram or at Maker Mom Podcast on Instagram, or you can email me freemanfurnishings at gmail.com and say you want a t-shirt and we'll work through all the details of that. All right. So when I'm not making a podcast, I am designing and making furniture and home decor for bold homes and sharing those projects across social media and on my website. That's freemanfurnishings.com and that's at freemanfurnishings across all of the social media platforms at Freeman Furnishings Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, Facebook, all of it, right? So it is Wednesday. It is hump day. And we are halfway through the week. So I want you all to have a fabulous rest of the week. I hope that you are getting time to make. And until next week's uh, Wonder Women series episode, I will see you later.